Amen, amen. So Isaiah chapter 3, we're going to get into a, 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 a study tonight. And what we're going to be looking at is when, when, when rulers are over our lives that shouldn't be there. So that's going to be one of the things I want you to look at while we get into this. Uh, and what we're going to do, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter 3, and we're going to begin with verse number 7. We're going to work our way down through verse number 12, uh, Lord willing. But this is a, a judgment that is going forth to Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, this is before Babylon is coming to take people away. And many people believe that our nation is on the same path that Judah and Jerusalem were on. As you see, our nation turn uh, ever more godless by the day. Uh, you, you can see the, the reasoning behind that. It doesn't take a prophet to see that our nation is going off track in a lot of areas. There are good things that God's doing, but there's other things that is not going so well in our nation. Our nation's being divided. Um, we, we have people, you know, our nation, we have people that don't know whether they're boys or girls and think that they can change. These kinds of issues have a root. The root is sin. These are just the offspring. These are the offspring. These are the branches. The, the root is a sin issue that's not been dealt with. We, we've, we've glossed over it. We've gone about our merry way. We've tucked it away. And now, the, as, the, as the phrase goes, the chickens are coming home to roost. And so we're seeing the effect of a, a, a godless generation in the, in the society today. But um, here in this passage in Isaiah 3, the same kind of thing was going on here. And what you see is Judah and Jerusalem were about to face judgment. And, it, it, and if you just listen to the Spirit of God, you can just hear just over our nation that we're on the precipice of judgment, that we have, in, we have the ability to seek God and to see a move of God if we'll turn off the TV if, if we'll turn off Facebook, if we'll lay aside the cares of the world, God will move in this day and in this generation. God gives us free will. God gives free will to man. And, and God moves when his people pray. But if his people are prayerless, they are powerless. And when a powerless, prayerless people are in the land, Rulers who shouldn't rule over them will rise up. So one of the things that we'll see, look at verse number seven. As I said, it, it, this is Isaiah three, verse seven. In that day shall he swear saying, I will not be a healer for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler of the people. Whoop. Just what you see here is in the hour, in, in this day, when people are prayerless and powerless, they'll be looking for their brothers. In other words, they'll be looking for their neighbor or anyone to lead them. And the people that they turn to will say, what have I to do with you? 
I can't help you. I don't have nothing for you. I got my own problems. And, and, and I'm not going to be a healer. In other words, I'm not going to help you out. And I'm not going to be a ruler. I don't want that duty. Sometimes people get on a power trip. But I always understand that, that with authority comes responsibility. With authority comes responsibility. And a godless person will take the authority to use it in an ungodly manner. But someone who's just weak, powerless, and prayerless, they will shy away from duty, what we call, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, uh, we, we call it effeminate. This is uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Effeminate rulers are those that will not put their toes on the line. Listen, when duty calls. In other words, in other words, they, their voice will not be found when it's needed to cry out against sin. In a day where we have millions of babies being aborted, in a day where we have sodomite marriage, in a day where we have adultery and fornication and child pornography and all these kinds of issues in the land, we're talking about building new buildings. So what it means is we lost our voice. We don't have that voice like we should. The, the, the people that should be having their toes on the line, lending their voice to crying out against the sin of the land are just doing whatever they can to pass the time. So as you see, look at verse number eight here. For Jerusalem is ruined and Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes, right? To provoke the eyes of his glory. What are they doing? They're defying God. They're defying God, listen, with their actions and their words. You know, the Lord, he just kind of takes a, a, a two-edged sword at our sin issue right there. Because sometimes people sin without saying anything. Right? And other people... Other people won't do the action, but they'll say the words or think the thoughts. You know, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So those thoughts originate in the heart. And so he says, because of the wickedness, you've provoked God. You've provoked God because of the things that they've done and the things that they've said. In other words, both ways. Sometimes people are mindlessly just doing whatever society dictates, and then other people are just using their mouth to destroy godly people, using their mouth to destroy the church, using their mouth to destroy work that God is doing. Do you know any, every time that God moves, the enemy moves? Every time. I, I'll never forget, I was talking to a minister, and he was saying that uh, one time revival was breaking out in their church, and he said it was an awesome church. He, he, he was an a auto mechanic and, you know, bivocational, and God started moving and all these things, and he said it was a beautiful church. Everybody just got along, and then revival came. And when revival came, so did the devil. And he said, this one started talking about that one. This one accused this one of cheating on that one. And this one accused this one of stealing money. And this one, and he said, and within weeks, the church was decimated. 
within weeks. How? Well, it wasn't people just outwardly sinning, but through their words, because they weren't right, listen, because they weren't right with God, they were allowing the devil to use them to tear people apart, to tear apart a work that God was doing. They were allowing themselves to be used by the enemy, to do the bidding of the enemy. We always have to make sure when, when, when we put our mouth to something or we put our hand to something that it's God's. That it's God's. Well, that was talking about the other night, oh, G. Campbell Morgan. He said, there's something better. There's something better than being greatly used by God. It's being obedient to his will. You're saying, Lord, I'm a vessel in your hands. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Some of us think the greatest thing ever is going to be a missionary and, and, and doing all this stuff, but what's even better is if the Lord asks you to pick up a piece of trash in the parking lot, that you would obey the Lord and do it. Because you don't know who's looking. You don't know if you're not faithful in the little things, you definitely won't be faithful in the big things. If you can only be faithful when people are looking, there's a major problem. There's all kinds of reasons why God has that set up the way that he does. But nevertheless, nevertheless, we have this issue in the church world where we, we, it, we may not outwardly use our hands to sin, but we will definitely use our mouth. Definitely use our mouth. I heard, I heard a, a, a pastor talking about one time. He said, you know, you learn a lot in children's church. You learn a lot in children's church. And uh, one of the kids said, uh, you know, something to the effect of, yeah, we're not having dinner tonight. We already had the pastor. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can, you can discuss and cuss them down. Bring them all the way down. Um, now, one of the things that you see here, though, is that uh, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord, they provoke to God. God is not easily provoked. God is merciful. Listen, God is extending grace and mercy to his people. But if we continue in it, pushing past the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, we're going to provoke God. Sometimes God gives us a space, just like he did with, with Saul before he became Paul. Do you remember what Jesus told him? He said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's hard for you to push back against what I'm pushing on you. But some of us, we get into that place where we know we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We're just going through the motions anyways. And, and you, may not be, you may not be murdering anybody, but if, you're, if you only have a form of religion, but you're denying the power of it, if you're not allowing God to use you, if you're not just submitting to the will of God, you're, you're provoking the Lord to jealousy because what is it that you will submit yourself to if it's not God? What is it that you will give your whole heart to if it's not God? That's what God wants. It's not that God needs you to be the best trash picker up or ever in the parking lot. It's that he doesn't want you to have any other God above him. So what is it that will touch our hearts? What is it that will cause us to finally say, you know what? I want to be in the Lord's army. And I don't need the accolades. I don't need the fame. I don't need the notoriety. 
I just want to be obedient to what he wants. And once you get into that place and you fully submit to the Lord, there is no telling what the Lord will put you to doing. But it'll be infinitely better than the form of religion that most American Christians have. Most American Christians have just enough doctrine to soothe a conscience. But they don't know the God of the doctrine. They have just enough doctrine to smooth it, to soothe. Oh, yeah, you can't tell me nothing. I know. They have just enough doctrine to just let, let, let the convicting of the Holy Spirit roll off. And that's a dangerous place to be. This is where Israel often found themselves. Whenever the, whenever the Lord Jesus came against them, that was one of his main things. You, you have the traditions of men, but what about God? They had, they had elevated the traditions of men. They had elevated the law about the law. They, you know, the, the Pharisees, and such, that's what they specialized in. Not the law. They, they, they had the law, the man-made law about the law. And they had elevated that law up above God's word. And you see the same thing going on in the church world today. Why? Because it doesn't cost you. It doesn't cost you. You don't have to get right with God to keep those rules. But if you're going to submit to God, you have to stay right with God. You have to stay at an altar. You have to tarry before the Lord. You have to keep your heart rendered. You, you don't rely on your testimony from 25 years ago. You need, listen, you need fresh fire. You need fresh fire. If you're not walking and experiencing fresh fire, you're settling for a form of religion. And there's no power in that. There's no power in that. And what you'll find sooner or later when you're walking and living a spiritual life with no power, there's going to be somebody that comes and takes power over you. You settle down in that valley long enough. You push against God long enough. You live without the fire of the Lord long enough. And what you'll find is there will be a Lord over you that you don't like. That you don't like. Watch this. So what, what we see here is this progression, right? We, we see this progression from verse 7. This is where uh, what I call this is, is derelict of duty, the, right? This is when, you know, when it's your turn to fold the towels, you go outside and hit the golf balls. <laughs> That's a simplistic way of seeing it, right? But when it comes to the things of God, you, you see here that the people of God needed someone to guide them and they had a shortage of godly people and that's where we are today. We have a shortage of people whose heart are for God. I remember whenever I first learned the electrical trade, uh, they, they said, yeah, nobody wants to do that kind of work anymore. You learn how to be an electrician by the time you get older, you'll be in high demand because all, all, you know, that's an old skill. And nobody wants to do that kind of job anymore. Everybody wants to sit behind a keyboard. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and, and, and so it's hard to find. And it's the same way you see that in the church world. 
but everybody wants to do everybody wants to do what's convenient nobody wants to do what is of God nobody wants to get in the trenches nobody wants to get at the altars and and plead for souls and pray for the power of God to fall nobody wants to get in there and tarry before God and say Lord if it takes me 20 years I'm going to pray for my son I'm going to pray for my daughter I'm going to pray for my marriage or my parent I'm going to pray for my cousin I'm going to pray for this nation Lord but you know what that's not convenient especially when the ball game's on it's not convenient when we've got things we've got to do. We've got to take Billy to ball practice. You know, I mean, we've got our priorities, don't we? Yeah, we're going to prioritize ourselves out of the power of God. We're going to prioritize our lives out of the will of God. But we're going to have just enough to soothe our minds. Well, you know, this is my kid. I got to take him to soccer practice, right? It's my kid. I got to take him to soccer practice. And don't, look, I'm not against soccer. Don't, don't think like that. I'm talking about priorities. When your priorities shift, when your priorities shift from God reaching souls, you've gone astray. The thing is, is God is looking for people that are after his heart. And, and look, because you're a target of the enemy, he's constantly going to be shooting those fiery darts that we talked about last week. And if you're not actively taking up the shield of faith and quenching the fiery darts, the only alternative is the fiery darts are hitting you. You're one or the other. Now, this progression just kind of, it, it, it just continues in. Now watch verse number nine. It says, the show of their countenance doth witness against them. They declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Well, let's stop right here. and We'll take these next couple of verses. But Sodom, sodomy. The, what was the sin of Sodom? It's homosexuality is how we call it today. The Bible calls it sodomy. It, it, it's, a, it's a man with a man or a girl with a girl. And God's been against it ever since he created mankind. In fact, in the Old Testament, people were killed for this. Okay? So we don't kill people for this now, but we pray for them now. That's what we do. We pray for them. It's sin just as much as witchcraft is sin. They, they killed witches too. But what we do is we pray for them. We contend. We fight for them. We give them the truth. The only thing that's going to make someone free is when they get a hold of the truth. You're not going to get them free by making them feel bad. You're not going to make them free by, by making them have a stigmata about themselves. The only way somebody gets free is when they get a hold of the truth of the word of God that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The only way somebody gets free is when the blood of Christ has been applied to the soul and whatever they've been wound up in gets wound unwound by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whatever that iniquity is, whatever that iniquity is, it is forgiven in Jesus' name. Whatever that family history is, whatever that, that, that uh, curse is, on the family line is, it stops at the cross. 
There is no iniquity, no curse, no sin that can make it through the blood of Calvary. And so you've got to understand that however, however wound up we get by sin, because sin deforms all of us in different ways, but the blood of Jesus cleanses us. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all iniquity. It cleanses us, and that, when, when that happens, we become a new creature in Christ, right? That's when old things are passed away and all things become what? New. new. That's right. So praise God for that. But the sin of Sodom, but the, the, the sin of Sodom that we see, if you, if you go back and you look at Lot, the sin was, they had the sin, but... They were trying to take God's people, these angels, these messengers from the throne of God, and they were trying to defile them. And, you, and, and one thing that you'll see about somebody who's not right with the Lord, once things cross that line, is they're going to try to bring other people down with them. Once somebody gets involved in sin, they want other people to get involved with sin. You know why? Well, number one, misery loves company. But number two, it justifies your own failure if other people fail too. You'll say, see, we're all like this. See, we're all like this. And the whole time you just laid trap after trap after trap to bring people down to your level. But, but the sin of Sodom was they wanted, these, they wanted to defile everybody that came to their town. They wanted everybody that came to their town to have the same kind of defilement that they had. And when, when, when you start absenting yourself from the altar of God, when you start absenting yourself from the fire of God in your life, when you start absenting yourself from having the presence of God, and the power of God on your life, you don't want anyone else to either. You'll begin to say, pastor's crazy. You don't have to go off. You don't have to front slide pastor's crazy you don't have to pursue God like that why are you saying that because you're not pursuing God and you want to soothe your conscience by keeping other people from pursuing God because when they pursue God and you don't you feel bad right so we we should have the effect on others right we should pursue God and have that effect what the, the rising tide lifts all boats you got, people, you got people speaking against you, detractors. You don't have to be like that. Always remember this D.L. Moody. He said, the rising tide, it lifts all boats. You want to follow God? Follow God. Don't let anybody stop you. If they, if they talk bad about you for the next 20 years, so be it. Their life will be better because you pursued God. How so? How so? God will be working on them through you. Don't let the enemy steal your fire. Don't let the enemy steal what God's given you. Don't let the enemy steal what is precious to you. Don't let anything else become more precious than the presence of God. Nothing should be more precious than that. Nothing should be. It says that, well, that means I'm trying to say multiple things at one time. But, you know, sometimes at church, you know, sometimes people will say, ah, 
you know, I wanted to go up to the altar, but, you know, I didn't want anybody to think I had issues. Come on. Lay your pride to the side. I mean, when the Spirit of God hits you, I don't care if I'm in the middle of preaching, you go to that altar. When you need a touch from God, you need a touch from God. There's nothing more beautiful than a soul getting right with the Lord. I remember when I got saved, I thought, man, they're going to think I get saved every weekend because I'm at the altars every weekend. But why? I just need God. I need God. I need God. I've had enough of the world. I've had enough of sin. I've had enough of the devil. I'm, t- I'm tired of that. I want more God. I want as much of the, of the Lord as I can get. I want as much of the Lord as I can get. And when we're not like that, when we're not like that, it's because something else has exalted itself in our lives. Pride, work, relationships, money, sin, whatever it may be. And one of the things that you see here is this progression goes down. And once you get to this place where where he's talking about Sodom, this is when everybody's trying to pull everybody down to the same cesspool. And, And whenever you see that, you know they're not right with God. When you see somebody say, hey, we don't have to go to church, which we're gonna get in this, right? We don't have to go to church. We are the church. Well, who are you kidding? I need the Lord. God's going to have a word for me. I'm going to go give a word to somebody else. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? As a matter of some is why? So you can encourage one another and build one another up. The, 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 The more we're there, we encourage one another. We say, hey, you got it. You got it. Keep going. Oh, you're hurting? Let me hug you. Let me pray for you. Oh, you need a friend? Hey, I got you. Let's go have lunch. It's about being there for one another and strengthening the brethren. And when our heart is not for the brethren, our heart is amiss. And one of the things that you see, though, is whenever the sin of Sodom has grabbed hold, it it is the sin of, of, of sodomy. It is the sin of homosexuality. But contextually, what he's talking about is when, is when we're trying to get everybody else involved in our sin. We don't want them to out, outrun us. And sometimes you get in churches like that. Have you ever been in a church where when somebody's really going after the Lord, everybody starts tearing them down? Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, sister so-and-so sung a special on Sunday. You just wait. Just wait till you hear the pastor's inbox on Monday. He's going to have about five or six people come to him about sister so-and-so. What is that? They got to tear her down. They got to tear her down. They got to tear her down. Why? You got to come back down where we are. You got to come back down where we are. Oh, yeah, I know why they're doing that. They're just doing that because da-da-da-da-da. I know why they're doing that. They're just doing that because of this. Why is that there? That's the exact thing that Isaiah's, that the Lord's talking about through Isaiah. Bringing everybody down to where you are instead of encouraging them to go further than they've ever been. It's quite a difference. It's quite a difference. When somebody does something for the Lord, it doesn't matter if you think it was great or good or horrible. You should encourage them. 
if they did it for the Lord and they did it unto God, you should encourage them and lift them up and help them to get stronger. You should say, man, I wish I could sing that good. Man, the Lord really touched me when you did that. You know what you're going to do? You're going to help them. You're going to strengthen them. But the sin of Sodom is, yeah, I don't think you should sing anymore. Why? Because I'm never going to sing. So I don't think you should either. Do you see what I'm talking about? That's the deal. And they, when, when they had so much condemnation and conviction just boiling in, 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 in Sodom and Gomorrah that when they saw these undefiled people come in, they just had to get them to. They just had to bring them down. Why? Why? Because they were living right. They were holy men. These, these were angels. And that bright light was throwing conviction on those dark hearts. That bright light shines conviction on the dark heart. So we can't have that. We got to get them defiled too. We got to bring them down. And that's exactly what he's talking about now. So you see this kind of progression in the nation and, and this is before the Lord brings judgment on this place. The judgment that he brings is captivity and God is merciful, God is long-suffering, but God is holy. God is holy. No nation, let me say this, no nation has ever killed babies and embraced sodomy and survived. You can look in world history. Every, every time a nation turns to murdering of babies and sodomy, it's shortly before a massive judgment. Shortly before a massive judgment. So what do we do? Do we just complain while the Titanic's about to hit the iceberg? No. We preach the truth. We preach the truth. It is only the truth of God's word that'll set the captives free. It, 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 it's not you pulling them by the ear. It's not you kicking mud on people. It's by you bringing the truth. And I'm going to show you that, and I'm going to show you why we're in the place where we are in just a second. Let me finish. Let me, let me read these next three verses, and, and I'm going to take you to a place where it's going to just kind of go like, wow, that's why we are where we are in this nation. And it's going to take the people of God to wake up. It's going to take the people of God to wake up. It's going to take the people of God to wake up to what's going on and pursue God and get back to hungering and thirsting after God, his righteousness. Once we get into that place, we're going to see the nation change. God can change a nation in a day. He can bring judgment in a day, but he can also change it in a day. He can make dead bones live, so don't think he can't do anything. Don't think he can't do anything. All things are possible, right? With God to those that what? With the who? Those that what? All things are possible who? To them that believe. That's the thing. Do you believe that God can do it? If you truly believe God could change a nation and you're not at the altars, at your house or your church or your office or wherever, and if you drive a truck, use your steering wheel as an altar. 
Just keep your eyes on the road. But wherever you are should have altars. And if you truly think that God moves through the prayer of his people and all he needs is a people to wake up and pray and seek his face and repent and turn, turn from their wickedness and pray. If that's all it takes, if you truly believe, then let's do it. Let's do it. And say, God, help me, Lord. Help me. Just, just place that in my heart. Purpose in your heart to pray. Some of us, you know what? If, if, if Billy had soccer practice at, at, at 10 o'clock on Sunday, we would miss church. Billy had soccer practice 6 o'clock in the morning. Miss church. But we wouldn't wake up at 6 in the morning to pray. We wouldn't because it's not important. It's not important. And, and, and what you see happening here in Judah and Jerusalem is that the things of God became not important. Another way of saying it is that other things took priority. I mean... I got, I need to get a new boat. I got to put in extra hours. I need a new boat. I don't have time to go. Pastor's trying to call a prayer. I don't have time for that. I got to get a new boat, right? Or, I, you know, I'm taking lessons down there at the clinic. I, 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 got, I don't have time for that. I got to go to my lessons. Lessons for what? Knitting. Oh, okay. It's only that people are, you know, possibly going to hell. You go learn how to knit. Go ahead. But you see how foolish it sounds? I mean, I'm saying it kind of like that, but you see how I understand things come up. Don't get me wrong. But we can justify. And I'm not talking about possibly you. I'm talking about as a nation and as the church. We're the church of the living God in this nation. The, the, the church has got to get its voice back. If we're going to see this nation turn back to God, we're not going to, listen, I don't care if the Apostle Paul was our president. We won't, the nation won't turn back to God till our hearts turn back to God. And you can't say that our hearts are turned back to God if we've got a prayerless, powerless church. You Another minister, he said, if, if, if people won't follow the Ten Commandments, they won't follow 10,000 commandments. You can make a law about everything, but you can't change the heart. That's the whole, you, you want to know the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament? That's it. There was a law for every sin, 613. But there's no law that can change the heart. The only thing that can change the heart is the spirit of the living God. And the only way he does that is when you turn to Christ. That's when he takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, a heart that is sensitive to his spirit, a heart that is sensitive to his will and his desires that loves him. You can't, 
You cannot force somebody to love God. He gives us free will. I said this the other day. It is not through coercion that you'll get people to Christ. You can't, you, you'll pull their ear off before you get them saved. You can't. You, you, you know, you get in a relationship and you're like, you're going to give this, you got to do it. Look, if they're not right with the Lord, the only thing that's going to get them right with God is when they receive the truth and believe it. That's it. You can't twist somebody's ear into the kingdom. It's by belief that somebody gets saved, not through coercion, right? Now, let's continue in this verse number 10. Um, but it is interesting. It says that they, at the end of verse 9, it says they have rewarded evil unto themselves. That, that is... That, that's the result of the devil having a heyday in a people or a family. Uh, it, it, you, look, you, you, you want to you just have a form of religion? It's going to catch up to you. You're going to shrink back from, from a true encounter with God. You're going to shrink back from it. The chickens will come home to roost. You will receive the fruit of it. It's coming. And that's what it says there at the end. But watch this. And, and it kind of goes into that right here. It says in verse number 10, say ye to the righteous. How many of y'all are righteous because you believe on Jesus? Amen. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him for the reward of his hands shall be given him. That's... Uh, you can correlate that uh, to Galatians chapter 6, right? God's not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, okay? That you can correlate that directly to Galatians chapter 6. This, you, you, going, you going to reap what you sow. You cannot sow to the flesh and expect to grow spiritually, if you're shrinking back from your duty spiritually, you're not going to grow spiritually. If you're sowing to the flesh, indulging the flesh, look, I don't have to tell you this. I know you, you probably got some war stories. We all do. If you give the flesh an inch, it'll take a mile out of your hide. It's just one drink. I deserve this. It's just one night out on the town. I, it's just this. It's just that. You give the flesh an inch, it'll take a mile out of your hide. God's not mocked. What you sow, you'll reap. This is a law according to the Spirit of God. This is a law, spiritual law. That's how God set it up. You want to grow spiritually? Begin to sow into the spirit. You want to get tore up in the flesh? Oh, Leonard Ravenhill, he said, you know, if you want to go to hell, you don't have to do nothing. You don't have to do nothing. Just do nothing. Watch TV. Go to the game. Go to the knitting class. Go to soccer practice. Sleep, whatever. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. But if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to turn the boat around 
and look at Christ and keep your eye on him like the old him. Be thou my vision. I don't want to see anything but the cross. I don't want to see anything but Jesus. I'm going to remove anything and everything that gets in between me and my Lord. I am going to follow him, pursue him, and love him till my last breath. I am going where he is. That tenacity, that tenacity. So continuing in this last verse here in this section, and we're going to, I'm going to take you uh, to one more place. So look what he says. As for my people, can you please listen to this in the spirit? Listen, listen. As for my people, children are their oppressors. And women rule over them. Oh, my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. Now, he's not just simply talking about children and women biologically or physically. This is a synonym, a synonym. For it, th this means that people who should not rule over you are ruling over you. Children are your oppressors. Your tormentors have no power over you, but you've subjected yourself to them. Don't we know as children of God that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus? Don't we know greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world? Don't we know that? Don't we know that, right? We shout it out. Woo, yeah, we shout it out. But yet so many in the church world are bound in sin. We've got church leaders falling in church after church after church. Churches are being torn up through sexual perversion and all kinds of sins of various and vice and money and laundering and all kinds of issues. And why? We're supposed to be victorious. Greater is he that's in us. It's because we have shrunk back from pursuing God. And when we do, children become our oppressors. That which is weaker than us has power over us because we don't have the power of God in our lives anymore. We've shrunk back from our call of duty to, to be at those altars, to, to rend our hearts and say, God, whatever's in me that's not right, Lord, remove it, Lord. Help me. I need you. Fill me, right? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And we've, you know what? It's just one glass of wine. Well, you know what? I want the Spirit. I've had enough of the world. I don't want any more of it. Amen. I have never had enough of God. Amen. Have you? No. Have you reached a point where you've had enough? No. And that's the thing. We, 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 our hearts should be bent on pursuing him evermore filled with God, evermore ever more saturated with his presence, ever more filled up, on fire, ready to go. Yes, Instant, in season and what? Out of season. Ready to speak a word in what? Due season. How? Because God in you reaching others. That's what we're called to do. Church should not be about you know, doing somersaults, although I'm not against it. But church should be about strengthening one another, 
becoming one in Christ so that we can go and do the work of the ministry out in the communities so that we can go and and bring light to those that are in darkness so that we can go and, and bring that word of liberty to those that are in bondage. Now, it's amazing because it says that, 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 that the children are the oppressors and the women rule over. It just, it's just a synonym, another way of saying people, because God has given the man to be the head of the home, right? But you, you know, who, you've heard that saying before, like who wears the pants in that family? That's where that comes from. That's because a man has shrunk back from being the man of the home. And when God's people aren't filled with the spirit, we're not the man of the home anymore. We're letting weak leaders lead the church and sing songs like ACDC or Aladdin or things like this kind of filth going on in the church. When, when, when we're not filled with the Spirit of God, we don't want other people to have the Spirit of God and we will surround ourselves with people that will relegate godliness to imitating the world. When you relegate godliness to imitating the world, you've lost passion for God. And that's what we see going on in our church world today. It, it should be setting off alarm bells, but it's not. It's not setting off alarm bells in the church world because we're in an age where that's just not the way you do things anymore. We're in an age where the pulpits are pulled out and the coffee tables are put in. Sermons are out and sermonettes are in. The power of God's out, but PowerPoint's in. We're, we're, we're in an age where we've relegated godliness to imitating the nightclub. Boy, we got some new strobe lights. We're going to see God move. We got a new smoke machine. It's going to be lit this weekend. Where are we at? We've relegated godliness to imitating a lost world. When the hope of them getting out of it should be found with us. The, the roles have reversed. Instead of the men leading the women and the children, the children are oppressing and the women are ruling. Roles reversed. Who's wearing the pants? Not the church. Church doesn't have the power. If a church gets on fire for God, we can change a nation. The river of life will flow through that church into the community. People start getting right with the Lord, not even knowing why am I wanting to go to church? People be passing by your church and be like, man, it's just like God just wanted me to pull in. Just those kinds of things. When the river's flowing through that church, but when there's corruption and deadness flowing, well, it is just the imitating of the nightclub. I heard somebody say, "Yeah, the the churches today, all these all these churches, they're they're just 
you know, they're getting more, they look more and more like nightclubs every day. And I'm like, well, how do you know what a nightclub looks like? What you doing? What you doing on the weekends? That's why you don't come to early service. <laughs> That's why we don't go to nursing home service. All right. <laughs> but, but it's true though, right? It's, you know, but you, you get that image in your mind of what it is and, and the church world imitates it. Why? Because the children are oppressing, the women are ruling, the church isn't wearing the pants. We, the, the, I heard a minister say one time, it just, oh, it just gets in you, man. He said, as goes the pulpit, so goes the nation. As goes the pulpit, so goes the nation. We, we got it backwards. We think the politicians, we think the politicians rule the nation, but it's God's people. And when God's people don't wear the pants anymore, we've handed over. We've handed it over to, to godless people. That's, that's, it gets up in my crawl, you know, when people talk. I was saying that the other day about schools. I mean, you, you, want, you want prayer in schools? You do? When, when are we going to pray in our homes? I mean, if... if Half of the people that whine about prayer not being in schools would pray at home. This nation would be completely different. But yet you want somebody that doesn't know God to lead your child in prayer to make you feel good because you're not willing to take your child's hand at the family altar and pray at home. Who you want to teach your kid to know God? Some, somebody that doesn't know God or you? The duty is ours, but we're letting other people wear those pants. Letting other people wear those pants. We've, we've got to stand up. We've got to put our toes on the line and say, Lord, I'm ready to be counted for your army. I'm ready, willing, and able to do all that you want me to do. I'm your vessel for your glory. Fill me, use me, direct me, lead me, God. I want to please you and honor you with my life. I will do all that you want me to do. And whatever God gives you, whatever God has given you, God has gifted to you, the people in your life, your neighbors, your family, your coworkers, those people are there by design purpose. It is not happenstance that the people in your life are in your life. God put them there. And God put them there so that you can influence them for his kingdom. But we're not wearing the pants. The church world isn't wearing the pants. We're letting the world lead us instead of us leading them. Pentecost, Holy Ghost Falls, a room full of ignorant and unlearned folks turn the town upside down. It, and it wasn't because there was an awesome sermon. Oh, that sermon just got me. It, it wasn't an awesome sermon. It wasn't worship. They didn't have a worship concert and sell tickets for $50 and everybody just got, woo. It wasn't that. It was because they tarried at an altar and they got filled with the Spirit of God. And when they walked out of that upper room, they turned the whole city upside down to the point where they were persecuted to death. And we've got more people in this nation than we're in that upper room, but we don't have a voice because we don't have the power of God because we won't tarry before God. 
And if any nation needs a voice in the wilderness, it is America. We have lost our way. And you, we can debate. I'm with you. I mean, there is sin in our past. Our nation wasn't founded on some of the best principles. You got Freemason and slavery and all, murdering Indians. You got all kinds of issues, but we also had Judeo-Christian principles involved. So we reject the bad and honor the good. But if our nation is going to turn to God, it's going to take the church getting full of God. The nation's not going to turn to God if the church won't turn to God. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4 real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Did you notice at the end of that, that verse back there in Isaiah, he said that, that the, they, they cover the path like you don't know where to walk anymore, right? That path is just kind of covered. And, and, and you know, God is all about leading you on the right path, but when the path gets weeds growing in it, and, and, and you know, those, the brush starts overcrowding, and you, that, that way is kind of hard to go. I'll just kind of stay back right you ever walked on a path like that you walk in the woods and then you get in a section where nobody took a machete to it say oh, i'm just going to go back where it's easy the way the reason that those paths get overgrown is because god's people are derelict from their duty And when we turn back to God, those paths begin to open up. This goes back to John uh, the Baptist. John the Baptist goes all the way back to him who quoted Isaiah. Nonetheless, prepare ye the way and what? Make his path straight. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. This is exactly what Isaiah was talking about. Whenever the children are oppressing and women are ruling, the path that you're supposed to walk on is covered up. I can't see it. Can't see it. People in the church world, you can't see it. They can't see it. Why? Because we're too fascinated with this new series on Star Wars and Star Trek. We're too fascinated with the new Disney summer series. We're too fascinated with trying to find what's good out of ACDC songs in the church and stuff like this. We're too fascinated to see that the path has become overgrown with ungodliness. So, 2 Timothy chapter number 4 alluded to this earlier, but look what, we'll just pick it up in verse number 2. Paul said, preach the word. <laughs> Isn't that better than preach, preach that new series? Come on. What's that new movie coming out from Disney? Preach on it. No, he said preach the word. Right? Isn't that awesome? Do you know what's, you know what's amazing? You got the word of God. We, we live in, you got the word of God. Thank the Lord that he moved, you know, through the Reformation and all those. You got the word of God in your hands. You, you've got in your hand what sets the captives free. Do you, you understand that? You don't, 
that book will straighten out whatever somebody teaches you. That book will give you light when somebody else throws you a curve. That, that book will feed your soul when maybe you're in a church where you're not getting fed. That book will feed you. Maybe you're in a season where you're in a wilderness, but that book will keep you alive. You've got the word. You don't need to preach systematic theology. You don't need to preach doctrines of men. You don't need to preach about sermon series from Disneyland or Disney World or the new movies coming out in December. What you need is the word of God preached pounded and lifted high it is the word of God that is quick and powerful it is not a sermon series or systematic theology that is quick and powerful those things don't get into the marrow those things don't get in between the soul and the spirit according to Hebrews 4 verse 12 and yet we run to everything else under the sun except for the one thing that can come on y'all set me free the one thing the one thing that brings the balm of Gilead to me when I'm hurting and wounded and sunburnt when I'm when I'm weary and thirsty there's something there for me and what it is is the word the word the word of God it just, it, it's a blessing to know you've got in your hand what sets the captives free. There is no, there is no chain that will not fall by the power of God. And you've got it right there. I'm all, I, look, I'm all about studying and reading. I read about eight books at a time. But there's no book that compares to the book of God. So preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, and when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. I don't feel like it right now. You think Jesus felt like it? He was motivated by love, not feeling. Do you love people? Do you love God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And love yourself or your neighbor? Your neighbor. Love your neighbor likewise. It's a heart for others to be reconciled to God. Then you'll be motivated by love, not feeling. But that's how you can do that. Be instant in season out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. Be motivated by love, it'll overcome your issues. Because how many of us know when you say I've got an issue, the issue's you? Most of the time, right? Pastor, I just got an issue. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Okay. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. That's a whole nother sermon. We'll leave that be for right now. But uh, those those are the tenets of preaching the gospel. That's you're coming, you're gonna come through one of those three lanes with the word. Now watch this. For the time will come when they who? They, the people. Those people that are ruled by women and oppressed by children. 
For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, from the word, from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Fables. You know what a fable is? It's just a story. Story time. Story time. This, this, this is what coffee tables are for in churches. Story time. When story times replace sermon, you've got that verse being lived out in this nation. Story time. That's where fables are birthed. Well, I was putting on my clothes this morning and I zipped up my jacket and I was just thinking, man, when we zip that up, it's just like how we should come together. Hey, that's a neat story, bro. But that don't help me out none. I need the word. I need the word. Story time. When people's lives, their souls, their marriages, their children, their eternity is at stake. And when people's lives, souls, eternities, families, nation is at stake, we've become story hour. We're playing pretend. And that's why the church is bound up in sin like it is. That's why I, it, this just baffles me. It baffles me that we've got more divorce in the church than in the world. It's baffling to me. We've got churches where, where if you're one race, they won't let you become a member. What about, you know, neither Jew nor Greek, but all one, right, in Christ? Amen. I mean, and, and that whole concept, we, we got to get on that. Because that's all a lie anyways. We're one race. It's a human race. But when, when you have those things, that's why you have this going on in the nation. That's why you have children as oppressors because we don't know the power of God anymore. But when we have the truth of God and the power of God, it sets people free. It divides the truth from the false and it gives us our bearings. It makes things right or wrong. It removes the gray area. In God, there's not kind of God. It's either of God or not of God. It is either full or it's not. It's empty. There's not just kind of half of the Spirit. You don't run around with half a tank of the Holy Ghost. You're either full of the Holy Ghost or you don't have the Holy Ghost and you need the Holy Ghost in order to do what God's called you to do. And so we see in our nation because we've shrunk back from what God's called us to do, we allow others to wear the pants in the family. We have children as our oppressors when as the people of God, no chain should be binding on you. You are victorious in Jesus Christ. Depression, oppression, it's all gotta go in Jesus' name. 
it has no right or authority on you as a child of the living God. There's no bondage. There's no addiction. There's none of that that is stronger than the power of God. And if you'll get a hold of that principle, God will set you free. Jesus said, those that know the truth, the truth will make you free. Will make you free. You get a hold of the truth, it'll be like, it'll just be like something just digging tunnels in you. It'll, it'll make you free. Once you just get a hold of the truth and just meditate on it, gnaw on it, think it over, just allow the truth just to run and think and pray on it, it'll make you free. You'll wake up one day and you'll be like, man, I used to be addicted to that. I'm not, I haven't been doing that no more. I haven't been do What's going on? You know the truth. The truth made you free. You didn't have to go to a class either. You didn't, have to, you didn't have to go to a class on how to get set free. All you had to do is get a hold of the word. Be obedient to the word. You don't have to go through 15 steps. You don't have to go through 20 steps. It's one step to the cross. All you got to know is who Jesus is and bow down at his feet. Submit to his lordship. All you got to do is that. Go to Calvary. It's one step. It's one step. Look, there's added layers. You can grow in knowledge, but... You don't have to grow in knowledge to get more set free. I'm all about learning. I'm all about growing in knowledge. But the minute you go to the cross, there's no chain that has any right or authority on your life. And if, if you allow a child to oppress you, it's because you're not taking the authority over that thing. If the, if the people of, uh, that Isaiah was preaching to, if they would have said, you know what, this is our time. This is our city. This is our nation. We're going to man up, and we're going to do what we're, we've been called to do. If they would have done that, children would have oppressed them. Women would have ruled over them. The same things in the church world today. They don't got no sound doctrine. You see that in that verse? I know I hit on the other part, but did you see that? Sound doctrine. That's something you can stand on. It's not squishy. You know what's squishy? What's the latest movie? Let's preach on that. That's squishy. That's kind of, uh, uh, the word of God is solid. It's sound. It's something that is tested and tried and proven. And it sets every captive free. It doesn't play with your mind. It doesn't play with your emotions. You don't need to go to a class about it. You just got to get it in there. You got to get it in there. You got to believe it. You got to be obedient to it. And the truth will make you free no matter what the issue is. God is that powerful. Watch this. In the church world, we should be the most victorious, right? And most time, we got the most attitude. Move me if you can. <laughs> I'll clap if I feel like it. Hey, he's worthy whether you feel like it or not. You might think you're clapping because the music finally sounds good. That just means you're being of the flesh. Because a worshiper of God claps whether they're sound or not. He put a new song in somebody's heart. 
he put a new song in somebody's heart and they just going to clap their clapper till they going to clap their clapper till the trumpet sounds I'm going to clap my clapper till the trumpet sounds. Whether it sounds good, bad, indifferent, don't matter to me because I'm going to worship the king. I'm going to glorify the king of kings. Amen. So when you see that in the church world, when it's like, I'll clap when it gets good. I'll, clap. I'll, I'll do that when it gets all right. There's an issue. That's flesh. That's telling you you're not towed up like you should be and you're not filled up like you should be. You're not wearing pants of the Lord in the house like you should be. So what you see is that, uh, and, and I just kind of want to bring this into this point right here, and I'll close, but, but there is no demonic or worldly thing that should have control over us as the children of God. Whom the Son sets free is not kind of free. Whom the Son sets free is not kind of free. That issue of, of adultery or alcohol or pornography or stealing pencils from work or whatever it may be, th those issues, those issues, they got to go. They got no place in the child of God's life. And you'd be like, man, that's a lot I got to work on. Look, all you got to do is take that one step to the Lord. Follow him. Be obedient to him. He will lead you. He'll guide you. Look, you don't need somebody else being your Holy Spirit. You've got, if you're a child of God, you've got the Holy Spirit. You just need to obey him. You just need to obey him. You just, and, and you might be like, well, I don't know. Maybe you need to tell, tell the Lord you're sorry for being disobedient and you want to hear his voice again. Right? You tell your kid to do something so many times they don't do it, you kind of... All right, I'm done talking to you. Next time, I'm just going to spank you. That's, that's where most of us are in the church world. And we wonder why, we wonder why the church is rendered powerless when we're, we're, we're following with itching ears false teachers. Some people are following false teachers, and they know it. They know it, but it just makes them comfortable. It makes them feel good. When you know it's not right, it's not right. You can't justify it. I'm not talking about secondary issues. Y'all know what I mean by that? A secondary issue, it would be something like, uh, well, I think we should sing three songs, not four, right? I'm just being silly. A secondary issue would be something like pre-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, no rapture. A secondary it has no bearing on your salvation. An issue that you would fight against are the things like Jesus being born of a virgin, right? Being fully God and fully man. The, the things like there's only one God. You're not it. Neither is the devil. There's only one God, right? And beside him, there's none other. You're not going to be God one day and neither is anybody else. The, those those things those are those are the essentials of our faith that's what makes our faith our faith that we're saved by faith in Christ alone through grace alone that's it that's the faith and those are the things that we will fight tooth and nail against but if it's a, if it's a secondary issue let it be but what we see in the church world is people follow false teachers knowing it's wrong knowing it's wrong you got stuff like I mean, when, 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 uh, when 
the people of God step back and it says the children oppress them, there's all kinds of false teachings that rise up. You got hyper grace, you got no grace, you got Hebrew roots, you've got uh, word of faith, you've got uh, Jehovah's Witness, you got Mormonism, you've got all kinds of stuff going on, all that. Because God's people won't step up and be the people that God called us to be. Not only that, but you've got all the other, you got the sin issues, the, the things like I talked about. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. There's no sin that should have dominion over you. Can I read you one more verse and we'll close real quick? Go to Romans 6. I'll leave you with this. Romans 6. No sin should have dominion over you. You're a child of God. Amen? Amen. Romans 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. God gives you a free will. You want to get set free? You got the truth. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin, right? Forgives us from all our iniquities. The blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, 9, you better grab it and get set free. But if you allow that sin to remain, you'll serve it. You'll serve it. Just like they served children and women. Amen. Let's stand up and pray.